The Natural Hat Trick with Luke Lipinski, Craig Morgan, and Jamie Eisner. Welcome into episode 200 of the Natural Hat Trick podcast. Craig Morgan. 200. 200. Do we have something special planned for today? Absolutely not. And Jamie Eisner. I'm the special thing planned for today. No, we need to stop recording right now. 200 is just a number, really. Yeah. I mean, they're all just numbers if you think about it. Think about it. They yeah. really are. It's yeah. no more significant than 199. But it's nice and or round. Or uh, Well, parts of it are round. That's true. Two parts. Two thirds yeah. of it are, yes. are round. What an awkward start. I'm Luke Lipinski. <laughs> we should note, though, that we lost how many episodes leading up to this? Probably so like that's three. That's true. So it's really not 200. Yeah. So we'll celebrate 200 in a couple weeks. Although pre-show, because the computer wasn't working, we discovered that we might have been wrong about which is the first episode that we lost, whether it was episode one or two. Of the Today Slapshot podcast I'm way back sure when. I'm sure we did. Epi- I remember episode one. So I remember episode one getting posted. I do too, because I think we argued about where Stephen Stamkos ranked. Yes. That was like our big thing. So I think what happened is then episode two got lost forever. And yes. then you found episode three this morning, but we were recording it as two was gone. Hmm. So Jamie found episode three when he used to host. He it used to bad. drive the recorded. show. In the FanRag studios, live yep. from Phoenix. We all yes. shared one mic, like a duet group. Yes. <laughs> and Craig wasn't even there yet, right? No, he wasn't was even a special guest No, not times. even at that point. You no. became a special guest very shortly I after. you but... were a special guest on episode three or four. I mean, and I don't mean, I don't remember what show it was. I just remember, like, we couldn't decipher. Now, like, our numbers are off completely now. This is yeah. either episode, this is, welcome into episode 198 through 200. It's one of the 198 through, like, 203. Yeah. All right. Still listening. Congratulations. And if you can hear us, that means this computer that doesn't look recording, I recorded. So that's a big moment for us as well. It really is. All right. So let's start with the biggest news of the season. Buffalo has a coach. Rob Kruger. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, uh, this is an interesting hire to me. Um, uh, I've been told that uh, there was, there's been interest on, in him in the past. Um, teams like uh, Calgary, even Pittsburgh, by the way. Carolina had contacted him about coaching in the past, so he's had plenty of interest. We all know what he did with Team Europe at the, what is it called, the World Cup of Hockey? Yeah, something something pretty like that. <laughs> is that still a thing, though? I don't think it's even yeah, still a thing. Who knows? Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, maybe it'll come back. All right. You never know. Once they skip the next Olympics. Yeah. And, you know, I, and I actually reached out to uh, Rick Olchek, who worked with him on that team, and and. I mean, just so many people have so many good things to say about Ralph Kruger, whether it's how vibrant he is, how warm he is, how well-conditioned he is at his age. He's going to be 60 this summer and how articulate he is. I know a lot of people will look at this and say a 60-year-old coaching uh, you know, a young team that hasn't taken the next step yet, but that's what he did with Team Europe, and he did a really good job. They stunned everybody. So this will be one to watch. It'll be interesting to watch. And and. By the way, he was also coaching in the Premier League, so I think he probably knows how to manage egos. Yeah, there's, there's a few in, in the Premier League. He was, uh, when was he the Oilers coach? Managing, I guess. Uh, lockout shortened season. Okay, so maybe that's why I remember him as the best Oilers coach uh, since like the Gretzky Messier days. Did they won like 43% of their games. Or that's, something? Speaking of the Oilers, they still don't have a coach. Yeah, who not. needs one? Player coach Connor McDavid. That's kind of where I feel like we should be heading. Or Toby Reader, maybe. Is this Toby Reader's fault that they don't have a coach? Probably. If he scored more goals, they would have had a coach <laughs> they, by now. They would have had a coach by now. Um, I mean, you know, at some point you'd think you might want to hire one. Are they holding out for somebody that's well, in the playoffs? Dave Tippett, of course, is also being mentioned, but maybe it's someone that's in the playoffs still. Who knows? Or maybe it's just 
a dysfunctional organization with multiple opinions and nobody can decide what to do. I uh, can't be that one. No. <laughs> can't, can't, can't put that one together with Edmonton. I don't see it. Or maybe they don't realize they don't have a coach at this moment. Mm, it's yeah. a distinct possibility with them. And look, I still maintain that there's a decent chance it ends up somehow being Craig McTavish. Ottawa? Yeah, a bunch of people talking about Craig McTavish. I... Wait, is that really a thing? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. To do what? To coach. Yeah. <laughs> the Oilers? I, w- I wish you could see the look on Luke's face right now. I Just wish I could see the look on my face right now. This is the problem with that organization. Wait a minute. Hold on. Are, are you serious? The Oilers are talking about Craig McTavish as a potential coach? Writers are talking about it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I, that's, they, they need to sweep all of that out. That is oh, such man. a big part of the problem up there. But who who gets a coach first? The Oilers, the Senators, or the Ducks? Uh, who will probably hire Dallas Eakins as soon as he finishes with the AHL playoffs. Yeah, probably the Ducks. You guys are gonna have to do the rest of the show while I recover from this Craig McTavish news. That was honestly a it, that was it was either I was gonna say him or Peter Chiarelli. Are they looking to bring him back in some sort of capacity? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Uh, Brendan Shanahan, six-year extension for what he's done with the Leafs. He's gotten them all the way to the first round. Yeah. Now, as Jamie and I were just researching before the show, his, his contract was up this year, so you get extending him, but... Six years is a long time. Six yeah. years is a long time. It gives you a, a lot of opportunities to get out of the first round, though. <laughs> exactly yes. six of them, yes. if you think about it. Yes. <laughs> more than five, but less than seven, if I were being more... That, that uh, is how math works. More mm-hmm. precise. Um, and if he hasn't done it by then, well, you know, it's probably not going to happen. This is, doesn't seem like it. Yeah. This is the good time. time for a rebuild. <laughs> this is the good time to sign the extension, though, because if everything's going to go haywire, it's coming in the next few months. Yeah. And you won't have to work one of those years. So I mean, that's, that's, that's a nice little... At least part of one of those years. Uh, do you think he will be a part of a, a front office that tries to get Mitch Marner signed at some you point? Think. I mean, you would think. You know, we're TikTok. We're getting awfully close to uh, free agency here. <laughs> yeah. let's, let's go back to a conversation we had months ago. Mitch Marner is insane to sign a deal before July 1. Well, now he is. It's this point, insane. Absolutely. Six, seven weeks away. Why would you... It's not like the Leafs are playing for the Stanley Cup right now and they don't want contract talks to be a distraction. They've been out for a month. Like, Why wouldn't you go out there and maybe just kind of take a look around? I guess it depends on, again, it depends on what's coming in from Marner's group, too. Because, again, why on earth would you negotiate right now? I'm going to laugh on almost to Craig McTavish-like levels if the Leafs somehow lose Mitch Marner. If some team offers it forced him. to... To match it, right? Yeah, and yeah they're gonna, due to their cap structure. That's what's going to be more likely. But again, about this month ago, you can't let other teams dictate your financial and cap situation. That's what's going to happen here. Another team is going to structure a deal to oh, be sorry, it just felt related <laughs> to the Blackhawks somehow. To be so. as painful as humanly possible for your specific team, just like the Flyers tried to do with Nashville when it was a dollars issue, not a cap issue. Yeah, you can't let teams do that to you. Yes. And that's what's going to happen here. Steve Eiserman's going to do it. Is that what we're all saying? I mean, he would be crazy almost not to. Somebody needs to. Yes. I can't tell if this, and I like Kyle Dubas, but this just smacks of arrogance from the Maple Leafs. Of, oh, nobody will offer sheet our guy. We'll get him when we get him. Like, they're acting like they have the leverage here. They have no leverage anymore. But they only don't have the leverage if somebody offer sheets him. Like that's the, the you still need the other GMs to pretend like this is not some kumbaya friendship and realize their jobs are on the line every single year. Want to make enemies? Because I'm sorry, and a half weeks until free agency starts. If Six Mitch and a half weeks, if Mitch Marner gets to July 1st and I, doesn't get offer sheeted, it's collusion. 
Yes, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to go off on this podcast. It's 100% collusion at that point. It's ridiculous. If you get a player to that point that, that nobody even offers sheets. Then I, nev- I never want to hear that I'm doing uh, any excuse at all. I'm doing what I can to help my team win. I, I don't want to hear that ever again because you're not. Oh, and look, I mean, there are certain teams that, that can't offer sheet. And I get it because what they would offer would put them over the cap. There's, I understand that different teams have different situations and they can't go out there and make that offer sheet. But you cannot tell me. 30 teams will look at the Maple Leafs and say, oh, you don't have Mitch Marner signed. Yeah, we don't need him. We're going to go out there and really pursue Michael Furlan instead. I mean, that's the, <laughs> you can possibly justify that. So if you, if you offered him a basically a five-year $52.8 million, that's probably the max offer I imagine that another team would give if they okay. don't want to give up four first-round picks. Okay. You give up, you said at that point you're giving up a first, second, and a third? I do that in a heartbeat. Yeah, especially if you are a good team, where the, like if if you're Vegas and that's like the twenty fifth pick every year in the first round or whatever. It's, when when is Miko Rantanen going to sign? When's Braden Point going to sign? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm to the point now where I want one of them to change teams. Me too. And I don't even care which well, one. Even if they don't Me change too. teams, somebody's got to offer sheet them. Yeah, some you have to. Those, those three than, players are. That's an insane group of players. Yes, you're talking about. Yes. How would you rank them one through three? I'd go Rotten and Marner and Point. Yeah, but all yeah. all three are elite players. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. po- Point's the number one center on your team. Yes. But, so. Again, I don't want to hear that you're not going that you can't find these types of players. You can do something about it. Well, At least try. That, if you do that's it, the thing. If you do it and they match your offer, it doesn't cost you anything. We always talk about how, like, oh, you can't go out there and you can't just go find a number one center. You can't find a potential 100-point producer like Rontanen or Marner. Like, those guys aren't available unless you draft them. But if they, if any of them are available on July 1st for an offer sheet, then Jamie's right. You could have gotten them. Yes. Or at least, you could have at least made a push to get one of them. Yes, you could try. If, they, if the other team matches your offer, they match your offer. That's going to happen. But make an effort. Like also, I said, look for around that number, though, because anything above five five years, fifty two point eight, either you're dealing with four first round picks or things get little get little wonky. Yeah, because of the way the offer sheet structure works, is everything is divided. If you're a team making an offer sheet, so not like Toronto in this case, if you're yeah. another team, everything gets the the AAV gets divided by five from a five year deal on. So you can sign somebody to an eight year deal. But it gets divided by five, which is going to push your compensation up to that next bracket of what you have to give back. So, yeah, because you have to give up the picks based on how much the AAV yes, is yes. for each player, just so people yes. know what's going on. So, yeah, keep an eye on it. Maybe Toronto knows that. Maybe I mean, I assume Toronto knows those numbers. Maybe sure. Toronto is banking on nobody will go into the four first-round pick range, and so they feel like they can get him signed for five years. And what did you say, 52.8 million? Well, no, the Leafs can do whatever they want. They're not... They're not Part of this, no, this is another two point eight. If so, they don't, if they don't feel like anybody can offer more than that, maybe up to that number. Then but by the way, that's five years at ten point five six million per. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's still big money. But I think that's the max I could sign between giving up a one two and yeah, or two first, a second, a third is is, is a massive difference. I don't know that I would throw that much money and four first round picks at Mitch Marner. That up for and I Mitch think Marner. the years are going to be the difference, and that's the one advantage the Leafs are going to get. I cannot see – obviously, they can offer them eight years, but I don't even see an outside team offering seven years because then you start to really run the risk of being in those – you've got to make, the, make it work with the cap. All right, enough about important things. Let's get to the World Championships. Gentlemen, have you been watching? <sighs> I have no. actually a little bit. Really? I have, yes. You actively hate the World Championships every year. I actively hate them. I'd love to attend the World Championships. Oh, yeah. That'd be fun. That would be an entirely different experience. Yes. Being in that atmosphere versus... Here? 
watching it on my TV. Uh, what can you tell us about it? It sounds like it's really fun. Switzerland. They're neutral. <laughs> we don't want to go there. We don't want to are, go there. Are, are you saying that they excel in the neutral zone? Is that they, what you were? No. Yes. I'm saying they're doing? neutral in the sense that they're willing to keep anybody's money. <laughs> okay. That's, even that's even their neighbors to the north. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Yes. Anyway, Switzerland's 4-0. <laughs> of course, their wins are over Norway, Austria, mighty Italy, hey, and Latvia. I don't – Archer Serbe, is he still on Latvia? <laughs> so I have a question for you about the world championship. Okay. Cha- world championship. It's just one world like championship. Offside. Okay. I know some people get – lose their minds about they, that. They absolutely lose their mind about offside versus yep. offsides. So I have a question for you. Okay. Are there too many teams in the world championship? I don't remember there being 86 countries involved last time. <laughs> Great Britain is in this tournament. Yes, yes, and they held so, their yeah. own for a period against Team USA today. That's adorable. But, so yes, there are too many teams in this tournament. To, it, to be fair to the World Championship, at least they put Great Britain and not just Britain in there. Like they took the best of all the Britons. Um, I would say there probably are a few too many teams at this point. Yes. When there are teams where you're like, I wonder if, if one of us could have made that team if we really tried out for a couple of years. Then maybe that's too many. You think Sweden and. Finland and maybe even Denmark look at Norway and say, what's the deal with you? What's your deal? Yeah. Yeah. Although I've heard from... Why can't you do this? (laughs) (laughs) Keep up. (laughs) I've heard from people that have traveled to Norway that it's like this utopia that that nobody really realizes unless they've been there. It can't be utopia without good hockey. That's a good point. That's a good point. They do have Matt Zuccarello. They do. They do. And And that should be enough. Well, that's that's their motto. Follow suit. When you when you drive into Norway, you can drive into Norway, right? When you drive in, there's a sign that says Matt Zuccarello. In certain locations, yes. <laughs> yes. Like yeah. Sweden, for instance. Yes. I don't know why you would. <laughs> Probably not from Great Britain. Did you guys see the video tough. that uh, that one of the listeners sent us of Oliver in the hotel room welcoming John Klingberg with 9,000 yeah. balloons? Yes. <laughs> so that's the world championships for you in a, uh, in a nutshell. Singular. It's I'm singular, sorry, Luke. the world okay. championship. <laughs> Uh, who's your Conn Smythe winner right now? We've got three and a half know. teams left. All I can say is I don't see any St. Louis Blues in the running. Right no. Yeah, how no. are they doing Which this? is crazy, right? I feel like, uh, I mean, I, th- I think we all said this last week, Carolina had no chance at all against Boston, and they have absolutely proven that. Yes. Yeah. I, uh, St. Louis could beat San Jose, but you're right. I don't know who St. Louis's is best player has no been. No idea. Jaden Schwartz? He's been their best player recently, yeah. Maybe it's Jaden Schwartz. But, and then, look, these things can change. If they get to the final and somebody heats up, that person sure. could win the cons. I think it's it would be. heavily weighted on the final, obviously. Yeah. But, but right now, it's low and Couture for me. Yeah, no. Overall, yeah. it's definitely Couture. It just, his, he just somehow is, every time he touches the puck, he scores. He has 13 goals. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just goals. crazy. And he's, he's finding his way into breakaway opportunities. The puck's just, again, I know all the cliches, but go just go watch like, the, the condensed. <laughs> Go watch the condensed highlights on NHL.com for all these games afterward, and you'll be shocked at how much the puck finds Logan Couture with nobody else on the planet near him. I'd love to, but if I tried to watch anything on NHL.com on this computer, those condensed highlights would take three days. Look, it, it helps that they played two seven-game series, but right now, Logan Couture is six goals away from the all-time record for a postseason for goals. That's crazy. It is. Because and when you, yeah, and when you think of a guy like Yari Yari Curry and I think Reggie Leach, yeah, Reggie Leach are tied with nineteen goals in yeah. one postseason. 
He's going to play a bunch more. If they get to the final, he's got a chance at this. Yeah, I mean, San Jose, St. Louis could easily go seven. That wouldn't shock me at yeah. all. I, I think, I mean, since since round one ended, fairly confident it was going to be Boston, San Jose. Although I thought Colorado could maybe take San Jose out, and they didn't. But um, but that's there's no there's no givens. I mean, San Jose could go seven with St. Louis. They could go six or seven with Boston. I don't mm-hmm. think they'd beat Boston. But yeah, if he's got Especially ten more tired. games, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that, but. Yeah, I guess he's got to be the leader. But you look at guys like Marchand, you look at Tukarask right now, and the mm-hmm. way he's playing, especially that last game was just insane. Brent Burns is another guy that you look at. But again, nobody for St. Louis. Nobody. Anybody for Carolina, since by the time people hear this, they'll be out? Uh, <laughs> why would we bother with that? I don't know. <laughs> it just seems, it seems like a, an exercise in futility. The save percentage is 909, by the way, in this postseason. Again, small sample size, but it's 909. Yeah. And here they are. Yeah. yeah. Um, are these playoffs missing something for you? Yeah, excitement. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that they are. But, they really I mean, are. I, I guess it, I'm I, so disappointed by you, these. Playoffs. You know what? Totally disappointed. This I, is the least interesting postseason I've watched in a while. I agree completely. I think part of it is I think as a collective we weren't as excited about all the upsets as the casual hockey fans seem to be. Yes, I, I feel like that that was a source for a lot of excitement for some people, and just it wasn't for me. It was interesting. The other thing is, I just can't shake the feeling that one of the like two or three best teams in the league are not going to win the cup this year. Yeah. Like I just can't shake the feeling that you know if Boston wins, they were on our list. So was San Jose. Like they were both on the the back part of our list of contenders that we we went over yep. several weeks in the season. But just I don't know. It just felt like Carolina has no chance. We're bored by St. Louis. Yeah, we and- knew we knew Carolina was going to fa- flame out at some point. It just it was it's a great story, and I loved it. And and obviously, some of us have connections to players on that team. Jordan Martinuk is a <laughs> just a, a really fun guy. I thought you could talk about all the ex Blackhawks. Well, there's lots of that though. But uh, no, there's the that's bell. a different story. <laughs> but yeah, it it. It you, just doesn't, first of all, you yeah. knew the, if the upsets were going to happen, then okay, let's let's carry this through. Let's let's get the wild cards. Let's have a crazy season where we have three or four wild cards advancing. Yeah, but this is just you know, sort three of, of them went out in the next round, and then now Carolina's just getting obliterated. This is the yeah. other side of the coin to all of those upsets. Where yes, in the moment it's exciting that wow, Columbus beat Tampa, and we'll look at what Carolina's doing. But in the end, it robs you of the matchups we were probably looking forward to in this point, which was going to be in the last round was a. Toronto Tampa or Boston Tampa and you know a, 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 maybe having a Washington Tampa Eastern Conference final again or or something like that like it just it just feels like we're missing something and feels a depleted. lot of the exciting good teams not just yeah, exciting that's, but the exciting good teams went it. out Tampa Vegas Toronto even Calgary yeah Calgary yeah like the teams that you were looking at Colorado even in the second round like the teams that you were looking for that say okay they're both good and have those high end talents yeah. they're gone now so now you're getting the more Again, Boston San Jose are more complete teams, even if they're not as exciting as those top teams. Yeah, and you can't take away from the the seeding with those teams. Those are those no. again, those were teams that we identified as cup contenders Boston, at the start of the season. Boston was tied with the second best record in the NHL all year. Yeah, and San Jose finished sixth. Yeah. So these are still high seeds all things in, and that's probably I, I kinda hope that's what we see in the end because I want to see the Joe Thornton story as well. But No, no, no. I think you missed the the Twitter account for the Blues. Really, we're forgetting that Joe, Jay Bomeister hasn't won a cup either. Yeah, I did see that this morning, actually. But th- he has no ties to Boston. I can't even spell Jay Bomeister's name. Ooh, so let's try that. B-O-U-W-M-E-S-T-E-R? Okay, so if we're wrong, we're wrong together, at least. Yeah, and we don't care. Do you think you could see him get absolutely blown by by Timo Meyer? Was it Timo Meyer that scored on the Pareko 
turnover at the blue line, and then somehow J. Bo Mooser had like two steps on. Timo Meyer in the zone and still couldn't yes, catch up to him. Yes, and Meyer, like he almost pulled the the Forsberg. Yeah, on the, that was a great goal. It really it, was. This is like a ridiculous first step to just blow by the defender. It looked like if it was Bo Meester, I'm not sure if it looked like if it was Bo Meester, it looked like he wasn't was. in skates. It looked like he was on no. shoes on yeah. the ice. Um, yeah, Boston San Jose, I think, is the best possible matchup. But it, this is I've said this before. It's like March Madness, where hey, the the 13 seed won in the, in the first round and the 12 seed won in the first round. That's awesome. Except they're playing each other in the second round, and at a certain point, we don't care about yeah whoever. Well, yeah. If, again, if if you're going to carry that through, fine. This is a really cool story. Then if we get Villanova going yeah. all the way to the final and winning it, that's a cool. You're story. You're talking about like mid 80s Villanova, yeah, not last yeah, year yeah, Villanova. Yeah. 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 But it just doesn't happen, right? For, we, we knew this wasn't going to carry through. It doesn't happen. And so now you, you're left with all the exciting teams out of the playoffs. We have two good teams that are probably going to play for the cup final. But it's just lackluster. It's just lackluster, especially if St. Louis gets there. I, yeah. I'm not excited about a cup final with St. Louis in it. At least, I mean, the problem, too, is if Boston wins... A lot of people are just sick of Boston winning. Well, yes. yeah, for a good reason. Yeah. I mean, this would be all three of their four teams in, yeah. in less than a year. It would right. be the Celtics. The Celtics are the only outlier. It's Kyrie Irving Future broke Nick up Kyrie Irving. A, a, a fantastic run by the city of Boston. But um, I guess let's start with that series then, Boston-Carolina. So we'll have to spend a whole lot of time on this. Um, does this do anything for Carolina going forward? Or was this just sort of a flash in the pan and they got lucky playing the Islanders in the second round? <sighs> So I'm, I'm conflicted on this because it's obviously not a bad thing for Carolina to advance to the conference final, but I'm not sure they're in any better position now than when I thought they would be at the end of the regular season going into next season. Like I think they're a fringe wild card team at best. Yeah, they still lack the high. They still lack high end scoring. Their blue line can be good at times, but is inconsistent. Their goaltending is a nightmare. Yeah, with all due respect to Curtis McElhaney yeah, that's the thing. and this, Peter Morazic, that that's the biggest part for me that feels like a one-off this season. I is just, their goaltending. To me, I, I could see them being the second second wild card team next year, but I don't see this as a cup contender. I don't see this as an Eastern Conference final contender again. I'd be shocked if they even got this far next year. Of the four teams that are left, they are obviously the the one that could miss the playoffs next year. Yes, right. I mean, even if San Jose loses Pavelski and Carlson, which I don't think they'll lose both, they're still going to be they're a playoff Carlson, team. But yeah. Uh, Boston will be a playoff team. I would assume St. Louis would be a playoff team. There is definitely a scenario where St. Louis wins the Cup this year that just nobody is talking about because nobody wants that. Oh, look, they finally broke through after, you know, the expansion team that made the Cup final its first couple seasons because an expansion team had to make the Cup final its first couple seasons. Out of the expansion division. Right, exactly, yeah. I mean, back to Carolina. I mean, Sebastian Ajo and Tevu Teravainen, (laughs) <laughs> Both had a lead offensive years. Tevu Ter- uh, Aho was a, more than a point of game player. Teravina was close. So there's some some real talent up at the top there. But is there enough? And then, like Jamie said, I, I don't believe in this goaltending long term. I don't. Svechnikov, you at least have him. You at least have a good yeah. Rookie on the and way again, up. you didn't. You haven't got a ton from Svechnikov in the postseason. I know you had that, that awesome game in the first it's round. Also, like but, twelve, but yeah, yeah, yeah but, exactly. But, and so the, I, he, he might have there. a nice future. He yeah. really might. Nice. Yeah, he really might. But. Again, I just I'm with Jamie. I just don't see this team as more than. I mean, you look at their division. I guess you, maybe you can even climb into the third position in that division with, with the way things are going there. But I, a cup contender? Nah, I, I I don't see them repeating this performance next season. Well, and, and the thing we're going to talk about a lot is we're going to have other teams that we like to maybe jump up in the East. Not a lot, but there might be a couple teams, and teams have to come out. Like Florida, does Florida jump up? Does Philadelphia? 
do anything. I mean, I think those are the two keys. I, I don't see Montreal even repeating this 96-point season next year. Maybe they do it, but I, I don't think so. I think a lot of things went right for them in the first half of the year, and they started to come back down to earth a little bit. I'd agree with that. Until the last 10 games when they started winning again. But I, I, I think they overachieved. But we there are two teams that we legitimately think could be postseason contenders. Somebody's got to fall out. Columbus, Carolina, the Islanders. I mean, Pittsburgh could fall out, out depending could. what they do. But I would still have Carolina fairly high on that list of teams that could fall out, probably mm-hmm. behind the Islanders. Um, behind the Islanders, like in a good way. Like the Islanders are probably at the top of that list of teams that could fall out. But back to the goaltending, do you think they are smart enough to realize that they got kind of lucky there this season? Or I don't even want to say lucky. I mean, they, it's not that they haven't earned getting to this point, but with the goaltending, it feels like. A lot of things went right. And so if you're going into next season, you're saying, okay, we've got Aho, and we've got Teravine, and we've got Svechnikov, and we've like, we got these pieces, we've got Slavin on the blue line. Let, we're building something. Oh, yeah, we don't need to worry about goaltending. Look how far we went last year. That's a good way to get yourself out uh, of the playoffs. I mean, they're going to have to because they're both UFAs anyway. So they're going to have to make a decision here. Do you believe that those are the guys that carry you forward? Probably one of those guys remains. I would hope that they would realize that there are, there are pieces out there. You know, do what some other teams where they've identified a guy who's been a backup but, but is ready to make that leap because it doesn't – they had almost no money committed to the goaltending position this year, which is crazy. Yeah. But they had not a lot of money committed anywhere on this roster. It's a, it's a, a low-end uh, cap team, and that's – if they want to stay in that range, they probably need to keep one of these guys and then go out and identify one of – one of those players that's ready to make the leap but isn't going to make huge money. And if they are looking at that, they look at the free agent market. Here, here are the free agent goalies. Obviously, I think they probably would be better off just in a trade, but Sergei Bobrovsky, Semyon Varlamov, Mike Smith. Now, the interesting name that I don't know if he can repeat this away from New York, but Robin Lehner's out there. I feel like that's the deal. Some That's the deal we're all going to hate in two years. Mm. So I think someone's going to give him a ton of money saying, nope, he's figured out he's ready to be the next goaltender. I still need to see more. Well, Robin Lehner. Right. How but, much how much did Barry Trotz and the coaching staff have to do with I, I, the I think a lot. defensive success this year? Yeah. And and it makes a lot of sense, but I feel like there are some teams in sports that don't look at that. They just look at the numbers and they don't look at the situation and like, oh, well, Robin Lehner was good this year, he'll be great for us next year. They don't look at the whole situation. I'm not saying he specifically can't be good. It's just it's not a guarantee. Like, no. yes, sometimes you're able to trade for a Devin Dubnik. And he's able to pick up right where he left off. They play a little bit more similar styles than I think the Islanders in Carolina play. They play completely opposite styles. But that's the deal that I think, that's the interesting one to me. Because I feel like if there's anybody that's going to get really overpaid, that's that's the player in this market. I'm trying to find more goalies. There really aren't any. I mean, yeah, he, I mean it's Cam Talbot, Cam Ward, Brian Elliott, Michael Neuver, Anders Nielsen, Ryan Miller is probably going to retire, Chad Johnson, then their own guys, Michael Hutchinson. I mean, there's there's not... There's not a lot of options here. Yeah, so I don't know. That'll be something to keep an eye on with the uh, Hurricanes. I also want to see if they do the storm surge next season, but that feels like that was three years ago now. <laughs> uh, to Boston side of things, <laughs> I know everybody hates Brad Marchand. He's still a really good hockey player. Oh yes, he is. But the stuff he pulled with Justin Williams, I'm assuming you saw that the other night. Yeah. And somehow Justin Williams gets the penalty, and you just you have to know going in that's what Marchand's going to do. He basically hooked Justin Williams by the neck. He basically did. It wasn't like a violent play, but he is the definition of an instigator in a league where there's that role's kind of gone away too, hasn't it? Like we talk about how fighting and the enforcer has really gone away in the last whatever five six years. Are there any other great instigators in the game now? Now to that level of 
Not not even on Marshawn's level. Like who else is even at that level? Who, who like who were some of the greatest instigators ten years ago? I'd have to go through it and can't off the top of my head. Sean Avery. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. Um, he broke up a team. <laughs> he did. Uh, Sean, Sean Avery had some. <laughs> he was an instigator moments. off the ice too. Uh, Marty Berdur's favorite player. Oh um, yeah. They should put him in those Enterprise commercials with him. Uh, but yeah, I mean to to. I guess the point I'm trying to get at is if you are an instigator, you're typically not a good goal scorer. And yeah. he's I mean, Ryan Reeves. Like I'm trying to think of like other players that would be even in that. I, I mean, Ryan Reeves, I look at, I mean, that, like Tom Wilson, I don't really see him as an instigator. I think Reeves is more of an instigator than Tom Wilson. Tom Wilson just runs around and hits people in the head for no reason. Yeah, that's Ryan true. Reeves tries to, especially if he thinks there's going to be controversy, he tries to get out in front of it by starting it. Huh. Just Particularly in the postseason. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Ask Evander Kane what he thinks about I, that. I miss Vegas. I really miss Vegas. I think we should all drive to Vegas and just celebrate the fact that Vegas was in the playoffs. Because I missed that team in the you playoffs. I just want to go to Vegas. I, I kind of do. It's been a while. Um, anything else on Boston before we move on? They're going would, to win, right? Yeah. They're going to win. You had asked uh, if, if a sweep helps them. And, and I'm not big on rest that long, although at this stage of the playoffs, it might not be a bad thing because generally at this stage of the playoffs – you got some guys that are hiding things that are really banged up, so the rest could help them. You, you worry a little bit about getting stale. Maybe a five-game series is better, but again, it depends on the health, I guess, yeah. as much as anything. To me, if Boston ends up winning, we're going we're to look back at the, the near-trade deadline acquisitions, just how well they have played yeah. in this part. I mean, Charlie Coyle and Marcus Johansson have, yep. in every round, have made a big impact. Yeah. Yeah, they really have. And, on top of all their stars that they already have in their lineup. I just, like Patrice Bergeron looks like the best player on the ice when Logan Couture is not playing. I, I know every time I've talked to somebody around this building even that is a sports fan that usually starts to follow hockey more this time of year, and they, and they have said, essentially we were just saying a few minutes ago that the, these playoffs are missing something in the sense that there's, there's not, not only is there not Tampa or Colorado or Calgary or Vegas or teams that we all as hockey people know are exciting, but there isn't even a Washington or a Pittsburgh for people to say, oh, there's a Veshkin or Crosby for you to latch onto. There's just like Boston, who do you latch onto? Their best player, their most noticeable player is one of the arguably most hated players in the league. Not arguably most hated, might be the most hated What's player. too in the bad league. is that people don't appreciate Patrice Bergeron enough. Yeah. I don't think he cares, though. He's like the opposite end of the continuum from Brad Marchand. <laughs> yeah, maybe if he wasn't on Marchand's team. He is as a, you know, a player on the ice. He, they're, they're both incredibly talented, but in terms of his behavior, yeah. Uh, Boston's power play, what, five goals in the first three games? Mm-hmm. Overall, 33 goals in the first five games of the uh, conference finals. We just tossing goaltending at this point. It's okay, I, I like offense. Yeah. I'm good with that. There could still be good goaltending, but a lot of chances and... A lot of lopsided games early yeah. in, the, in this round, too. Yeah. That doesn't yeah. help. No. Um, let's see. As far as the Western Conference Final, San Jose capable of beating Boston if they get past St. Louis? Sure. I think capable. they could. I, I, I do think where there is this disadvantage, if Boston is sitting for a while and San Jose plays another seven-game series yeah, against another straight. very tough, big physical team... At some point, I just feel like that's going to hurt the Sharks. Especially in the playoffs. Like, look, you can't. You can just. You can say, "Well, come on, they're used to this." And they, playoff hockey's different, and we know that teams are injured at this time of year. And, and both of the teams that play for the cup, right after the cup is won, we'll find out about all the injuries that they were hiding. When you play three seven-game series back to back, and then you make the cup final, it's going to have an effect on you. It's yeah. going to impact your ability to play at peak performance. So if San Jose gets there, it would probably be in their best interest not to go seven games in the yes. series. 
And I mean, this isn't the NBA where you get days and days and days off between games. It's pretty consistently every other day you're playing. And so if you're playing a seven-game series, the NHL doesn't look and say, like, well, they played seven games. We'll give them an extra day or two. It's just every other day for Mm -hmm. basically a month and a half now San Jose has been playing hockey. That's part of the challenge. Physical playoffs. It's it's a grind. It's a war of attrition. And the problem, too, is that if, again, Boston's sitting for a while— the league is not going to waste any extra time getting the cup final started. No. They'll get one day off and they'll start game one. And they'll jump right in. And so it, they're not going to even get that extra time between series. And, and, you know, you can look at that and you can say, well, if San Jose has, let's say they fall behind 3-2 against St. Louis, they come back and win the series in seven. Like maybe they carry a little momentum into the, the Boston series. That'll be game one. And Boston will be so rested that by game yeah, two. I was going to say after their cross-country flight yeah. from San Jose to Boston. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> the thing about Boston, too, and it's, this has become apparent through these whole playoffs, you almost have to beat them in game one because they don't lose two in a row. Yeah. So just to have a chance, you almost have to get them in game one. Jamie's yawning. Do you want me to move on, Jamie? Yes. Okay. Well, we're not even going to no. talk about St. Louis? I guess we have already. Jamie's yawn pretty much summed up St. That, Louis. That was pretty much how you feel about St. Louis? Yeah. I don't hate St. Which Louis as much as you guys do. Best record in the league after January 1st. Yeah. So No, they're a good team. January. They're a good team. Like, part of this is a shtick at this point. They're not Dallas or... No. Oh, no. But it, it, it's... Or the Islanders. Oh yeah, n- no. But I just I don't know. I just I feel like the St. Louis team is on the cusp, but they're just they're missing something. It doesn't feel like Tarasenko's really been himself in these playoffs. No. Like that he could make that team a lot more exciting if he's out there. If he was if he was having the season or the the postseason that Couture's having where he has thirteen goals, some highlight reel goals, it's kinda of remarkable that St. Louis is doing this not with nothing from Tarasenko, but just sure. that he's not leading the way. Five goals, seven points in fifteen games. Yeah, I mean he's That's just kind nothing of there. It's nothing special. Uh, but, I mean, on the flip side, if he turns it on, that could be enough. I mean, like I said, St. Louis could could easily still win the Cup. They, we're kind of all acting like it's Boston-San Jose, but that series is tied as we record this. Yeah. And as Craig just said, hottest team in hockey over the last five months. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, they have staying power. That's the team that I could see getting back to that spot again next year. Of these three teams that are left? No, well, obviously, Boston. Boston. Okay. Bo- I think we have to, Boston's a Cup contender to further notice, all but... Right. I think the second most likely team to be back in the conference final next year of the four that are here are, is St. Louis, actually. that's Craig, you had St. Louis pretty deep in the playoffs before the season started, yeah, didn't you? Yeah, I really thought they had a chance to win this division and be a cup contender when the season started, and then they they got off to, you know, you remember they were, I think Threadful. they were dead last in the standings yeah, at one point. Yeah. yeah, looked like they were dead and buried, but they bring in Craig Berube, and they've been a terrific team since, yeah. if not a terrific team to that's watch. That's the thing. So. This, is not a, this is not a fluke. Their their yeah. terrible start was the fluke. Yeah, in, yes. in this equation, yeah. this is one of the one yeah, of the better the teams in the league. Just look at the roster; it makes sense that they're having success. If you are putting together storylines for the Stanley Cup, oh, Joe Thornton against Boston—that's I mean, Th- that's that's the main one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but St. Louis chance to give him a cup before he goes out against yeah. his former team. Against his former team, yeah. the one that gave up on him, and the one that you know, as Boston tends to do when players go out the door, badmouth them and create all kinds of narratives about what type of person they were. Mm. It happens with all of their teams in it that town. It does, towns. more than any other city. Yes. Yeah. That is odd. They've already they, started they with Kyrie, too. Yep. Uh, but any other story? I mean, is there any other potential one you could see? I'm mean, ruling Carolina out because they're out. It's not. Uh, yeah. Jay Bowmeister. Oh, yeah. yeah, J.J. Bowmeister winning a cup. But, but St. Louis winning their first... San Jose winning finally winning? Cup. Yes, a yes. team winning its first cup is cool, either way. It's less cool if it's St. Louis, I have to admit. <laughs> yes. I'm also a Blackhawk fan, so that probably factors into this, but probably. the Blues just aren't... They're not an exciting team. To, to me, the most compelling storylines, just from a like heartfelt standpoint and from excitement standpoint, are all in San Jose. 
Yeah. Yes. Because the journey, because if you look at the big picture journey of the Sharks, of being the best team in the league for a number of years, and then somehow, some way, finding a way to choke it away at every opportunity, not then getting to the cup, then not winning it, to kind of end this run, the Joe Thornton era Sharks with the cup is Kavelsky. a very, very nice story. Mm-hmm. It would be like Tampa Bay winning the cup in eight years. Basically, yes, it'd be like okay, this is Stamkos' last shot. Yeah. Um, so yes, yeah. yeah, so th- yeah, but Pavelski, Thornton, and of course Eric Carlson, all UFAs after the yes. season. Gus Nyquist as well. Eunice Donskoy. I mean, this is yeah, this is this is a transition like, year for the Sharks. It. Like yes. we we've talked about this. But like, again, they're going to lose Meyer and Hurdle. I mean, they've got in Burns. They, they've got they're going to be a playoff team again. Oh yes, yeah, they're going to be a playoff team. But I'm not, I'm not sure. They're, depends on what comes back. Of course, yeah. I'm not sure they're a cup contender. Actually. But even even if a lot of these players come back again, age is a factor here with the Sharks as well. But not Pavelski. He, the guy does not age. He's going to it. Some he's going to be thirty-five this summer. Okay, so it, it I'm still to, shocked by how old Joe Pavelski is. Him, it, he's like twenty-nine it, in my mind forever. Yeah, because he plays like he's twenty-nine. Yeah. So he's what five years younger than Joe Thornton, and both plays and looks like he's about twenty-eight years younger than Joe Thornton. <laughs> Joe Thornton looks like an eighty-five-year-old wizard. It's still productive. He is still productive. Not as productive as he once was, but I don't necessarily want San Jose to win the whole thing just because of the you know the rivalry with the Coyotes or whatever you want to call it being in the same division. Is it? Is well, it a rivalry? I, I, I don't have to worry about that much longer. Oh, okay. Yeah. The Coyotes join the Central. Well, oh, that's not what people were thinking. <laughs> ahead of their move to Houston. LOL. <laughs> this is not. Uh, this is not college sports where you root for your conference when your favorite team's uh, out. Yes, yeah, so the, the big Pacific Division yes. flag. Well, yes. Craig well, had that for the All Star break. <laughs> that's right. Um, but I think just in terms of actual storylines, they are they are the best. Yes, Boston's I mean, the best team. San Jose's the the best fun, uh, sentimental story. Carlson finally gets a cup after, I mean, I all care. he had to do was leave the, Ottawa. What to say? Carlson finally gets a cup. He's, what, 28? Yeah, I'm Carl, sorry. Carlson, this? It's not like Carlson's long, agonizing journey to the cup. He Stop. was in Ottawa. That's Stop. agonizing. They were in the conference final. They didn't deserve to be, but they were Only weren't. because of him. I, yeah, I don't, there's, no, there's no Eric Carlson storyline. No. no, but I'm saying... Well, there is a, only in that he's leaving. He's going to win well, a second cup next year with Vegas. Like, I don't, I don't, right, need, right, I don't right, care. It won't mean as much to me next right. year. It's, I just want to see him in the cup. I'm not saying that, like, oh, good, the world yeah, can get back on its well, axis when Carlson wins the cup. I would rather see Brent Burns okay. than Eric Carlson there. I, just, I don't think there's an Eric Carlson storyline. Guy in his mid-20s is not a... I'm not I'm saying sorry, so much just, the storyline. I'm just saying I would rather watch him in the in the Stanley Cup than Jay Bowmeister. Okay. Well, that, well I'm, that's well, not well, a high on board with that. I would also <laughs> like to see the two best beards in the playoffs yeah. in the cup final. That's also, I should point out, Craig is the only one in here wearing a shirt that kind of looks like a blue shirt. That he may be flipped inside out or something. It is a bl- yeah, blue yeah, shirt. I guess it is. Well, it could be shark blue. No, as that's well. definitely St. No, Louis blue. blue. That's it, yeah. That's, yeah. I'm wearing, Thanks. I guess, Bruins black and Jamie is wearing pink. Um, <laughs> which team wears pink? There's no Philadelphia Eagles on that one. No, there's not. I guess that could kind of be a Carolina Hurricanes-ish I, They don't wear shirt. pink. No, but anybody it's, it's wear pink? black. Does anybody have pink? I don't think so. Scottsdale Community College still have pink? The Fighting Artichokes? The Fighting Artichokes, yeah. All right, do you want to get to listener questions? No. Well, that's your your segment, Luke. I just want to say no just let's to see, see what, uh, what your response is. Yeah, I'm just going to wrap up the show. Yes. Let's okay. see which listeners you've ignored this week. Actually, uh, do yeah. we want to mention Jake Voracek apparently is potentially tradable for yeah, Philadelphia? What would you do for a guy who's going to turn 30? And I don't know. How much of his success is because of his linemates? How much does he make his linemates better? How much is he declining? I don't know. What do you guys think? I, I think he's... Like if it was just hey you can have Jake Voracek I'm all over that oh, I yeah, think that he can still produce prohibitive they'd have yes. to eat some of that right yeah 
But he doesn't have a no trade clause, I believe, I, and that's sort of why this story came up out of Philadelphia. Point um, two five million cap hit, though. Yeah, it, it's, it's yeah. a lot. That's a lot to absorb. But I mean, they have to eat some of it in a in a down year by his standards. It's still sixty six points. True, in but he, games. here's my concern: I don't. He doesn't play center, and I don't want to invest eight and a quarter million dollars in a twenty goal scorer. I know that seems basic, and it, it goes beyond. I'm not saying Jake Vortrek's not a good player. I'm not saying that at all. I don't he know why really you hate is. him so much. But, that's, that's but he's fine. a 20-goal scorer yep. that plays on the wing. Yep. How much would they have I to can't commit eight and a quarter. Him, huh? How much would you pay him? How much would I? I mean, I, I would feel more comfortable at like five and a half. Here, I would think you're probably more likely that it's probably six or 6.2. Maybe they eat two, two and a half million of that. But I think that's... That's more along the value of what I would pay for him now, because his salary is all all over the place it is, too. And he signed for five more seasons. So next yeah. year he makes an actual dollars nine and a quarter million. Then it drops to six and a quarter. Then seven and a half. Then six and a quarter. Then seven and a half. That's weird. Yes, it's very strange. But so you, you're to me, but just strictly from a cap standpoint, I, anything over six, I feel like is just not is not worth it for me. And again, you're going to have to give up something of value, too. So you have to factor that into it. And when you say he's a 20-goal scorer, that's not an exaggeration. This year, 20. Last year, 20. The year before, 20. Yeah. Uh, 11, 22, 23, 22. Before. I mean, he's never he's, scored he's more than 23 goals. He's the Chris Davis of goal scoring. He's going to hit 247 and 20 goals. Like, that's what's just going to happen. <laughs> I mean, he gets assists. He, he's had, what, an 81-point season back in 2014 He's a very 15. good player. I'm, I'm not saying he's not. I'm just saying he's not. To me, he is not in that echelon. Once you, you're going above $8 million, you're talking a different level of player. And he yeah. is not that level of player to me well and and i'm just I, the only reason i'm reading off his stats because you probably could have even convinced me before the story came out that he had a 33 goal season to his name or something he doesn't he's never scored more than 23 goals in the season so if you ask how much of that is is the line mates he plays with well when the vast majority of your points are assists that's not all that dependable unless you're like adam Oates. well it, it, right. it, and it depends right. on what kind of assists like they're there but it just to me is he's a good player he's a you can squint and say he's a low end first liner, yeah. But that's not an eight and a quarter million dollar player for me. And I don't I have think to he's pushing a team to, over the top. Yeah, and I'm, I'm assuming Philadelphia's just not giving him away. Mm-hmm. So no. you have to give up assets and all that money. Like, I, it's not going to be as easy to move him as I think it might might seem. Yeah. Based on his name value, not hasn't been much of a playoff performer in his career either. No, no, but. He probably was the inspiration for Gritty, if you look at his the way his beard has evolved over the years. All right. We are going to get to listener questions the second they open. Start with Chris. Hi, Chris. Craig, would you like to say hi to Chris? I thought we were going to start with uh, Bobby Big Wheel, so I'm kind of disappointed. Do you want to start there? Your, his, question's your de- his question is depressing, though. I don't. Do you want to start with a depressing no, question or end with it? You can start wherever you want. You're starting from the bottom up. Is that what we're doing here? Oh, well, yeah. You, know, you send the show notes, Luke. The the idea is to go in order. Oh, is it? I don't Although, know. No, you really jumping don't. All over you the hop place. all over the yeah, place. Who doesn't care? You have to mix things up. You, well, you know, and i got to give you credit for being able to, you know, adapt. See? On the fly. Yeah. yeah. Look at that. I'm the sort of adjustable player you want on your team. You can play up and down the lineup. And think of me as the Lawson Kraus of this podcast. In recent years, several Coyotes players have hung... worms? I'm glad somebody else remembers that. He ate a worm. Yes, he did. Do you remember that, Craig? I do. Why don't we ever bring that up with him? I don't know. What would you like to say about it? What would you like to ask him about it? How was that worm? It's a tough segue to like... If you drink tequila... 
He yeah, but eaten a worm. I, well, yeah, but soaked in tequila. He ate a live worm yeah. because yeah. what was, was it's just Connor McDavid was like, I don't think he'll do it. So he, and then by the time McDavid finished hey, a, a, sentence, a lot of things was, have been done in the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You won't do it. I had a friend in uh, <laughs> high school who swallowed a live goldfish on a dare. And he didn't make nearly enough money from it, mm. in my opinion. I don't think Krauss got anything from yeah. it. No, I just remember just crazy. The, before McDavid could even finish the sentence, I don't think he'll do it, they, they panned back to Krauss and it was already in his mouth. He's like, well, <laughs> it's fantastic. All right. Chris, we're going to try your question again. Craig and Jamie are being rude. In recent years, several Coyotes players have hung around in the offseason to work on skills together. Are any of them doing that this year? Christian Fisher was a bit exposed for foot speed issues last year. How much can be done to improve that? That's a lot to unravel. I uh, I read a it like bunch that. of coyotes, maybe as many as a dozen, are sticking around and training in Arizona for a good chunk of the summer. So to answer that question, yes, a lot of them are doing that. Foot speed, you can only do so much with it. You can improve the mechanics of someone's stride. You can create a little more power. But how much speed can you add to a player at this stage of their career? I don't mm. know. Yeah. 10%? It's never going to be his game anyway. Yeah, it's, it's, no. It's, but, you know, I think what Christian Fisher tried to work on last offseason is those first three, first three steps. Yeah. Just because that's, that's as much an issue with him as anything is just getting going. Yeah. So I, I imagine that'll be a, a bigger part of the emphasis this summer, as well as, you know, some of the other things that young players have to learn in terms of their diet, right? The other way is they take care of their body that get them performing at their peak. I like that they're all sticking around. Uh, that's, I mean, it's not comfortable here when you get to like July and August. And I'm sure they're not staying for the entire summer, but it's been a pretty, they've made it pretty clear, a lot of the players, that they're going to stay here for the majority of the summer and just work out together. Yeah. And I mean, there's a ton of rinks around here. So we'll see. I, I like, that's one of the best things about the Coyotes, I think, is that you have this group of players that is fairly tight-knit. And all sort of evolving in the league together at the same time. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see if that continues. All right, here's the question from Mike that's going to... It already made Jamie and Craig angry, so I want to read this one. Thoughts on playoff format where all teams get in. Two divisions, seed top to bottom based on record. Top seed plays bottom seed like the NCAA. First round is single elimination. Sounds fun, right? My response? <laughs> that's it. That's all I got. Yeah, no. Uh, I, I, no, no. I don't like that at all. What's the point? What's the point of playing any games? Yeah. The one game extra home ice advantage you get? Silly. Single elimination where Ottawa takes out Tampa Bay in the first round (laughs) is, again, it's fun in the moment, but it's not so cute in the second round when Boston is sweeping Ottawa in a best-of-seven series. So I like the 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 outside-the-box thinking. I'm just not quite there on that exact format. Now, I wouldn't mind a change to the playoff format where, you know, you see the teams one through eight in each conference based on record and not which division they play in, and we don't have to see Boston and Toronto in the first round every year. But not... The, is that a thing? Not thirty-one Somebody teams. Proposed that? What? One versus eight. That's the like first time hearing yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> it. It worked so well in the past; they had to just get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Steven. Hi, Steven. Hi, Steven. If you were to pick one player from each team remaining to represent them in a sewer fight, who would win? Sewer fights. Brad Marchand. Nice, nice reference, Steven. I, I love Steven. Your question of the week. That's a great question. Brad Marchand. Wait, Steven's question is not done. He has Chara beating. Uh, Warren Fogel. Warren Fogel's a great choice. And Evander Kane beating Ryan O'Reilly. Kane over Chara in the final. Now, see, I I think the mistake there is I think you could run circles around Chara in in a swamp fight. Like, I feel like his foot speed is not... He can take his legs out. Yeah, so he's not very, like, maneuverable. I want the the guy that will do anything, including licking you in the face. Right, he's a rat anyway. Absolutely. It's his his home season, his environment. This is the plot line for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. uh, So Brad Marchand, for sure. Carolina... Furlan? Maybe Furlan. Maybe. 
The other thing with Chara, too, is I could see him kind of being like, is this customary in your country? Like, why am I in a sewer fighting somebody? I could see him. He seems a little too classy for the sewer fight. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, definitely Marshawn because he's not classy at all. Um, Furlan seems like the most dangerous guy on Carolina. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although, after the way the last couple games have gone, I wouldn't mind seeing Justin Williams versus Brad Marshawn in a sewer fight. <laughs> but we all have Marshawn coming out of the East, correct? I think he'd find a way. Yeah. yeah. And then it's got to be Kane. Not Patrick. Ooh. No. No, I don't know. There's, there's I, no I, cab drivers I, I, involved. I just, I wouldn't put past Brent Burns. Oh, nobody heard that? Okay. I think Brent Burns. I, I think it. he's great. I, I figured heard that. the cab driver comment. That, yeah. uh, yeah. All I wanted was the bell. Okay. Uh, um, I'm going to take Kane. Kane is like a tactical boxer. I'll take Kane. St. Louis. I mean, this could be Jay Bomeister's first sewer fight, and we're not no, giving it enough attention. Can't, can't do that. No? Can we move on? Okay. Craig is so disillusioned with St. Louis. Uh, Pat, even... Pat Maroon is the answer for. Yeah. Okay. I'll take Kane. I'll take Kane for Marshawn. I'm, I'm going to take him. Yeah. Uh, I'll just do Marshawn wins okay. in general. Mar- the, the Sewer Cup. He'd fight Sewer dirty. Cup finals. He He'd would fight there. Whatever it took yeah. to win. I think that's the lesson to be learned here. If you're putting Evander Kane versus Brad Marshawn in a boxing ring, I'm taking Kane because he yeah. knows what he's yeah. doing. But in a sewer fight where there are no rules, mm-hmm. that's where Brad Marshawn he thrives. Uh, Greg. Hey, Greg. Hello, Gregory. Who, hmm. Who's the favorite? St. Louis? Or, I, this, I think this might be Greg who, a long time, last year wrote in with the uh, Natty Hattie Bingo card. I think. Okay. If mm. it's not Greg, I'm sorry, other Greg. But write in with more questions then. If it's not the same one, please correct Luke, Greg. Yeah. Publicly. And I won't read Thank it on you. the air. Okay. Uh, who's the favorite? St. Louis. By the way, Joe sent us uh, Starbucks money. So thanks, Joe. Thanks. Thank so, you, Joe. Yeah. We didn't use it today, but we will yeah. use it next oh. week. No, we didn't, did no. we? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Craig. <laughs> but we do have it. It doesn't well, expire. Look, yeah. I'm not hoarding you it use for it myself. All, well, you know. Uh, who's the favorite, St. Louis or San Jose? Given that since uh, 2012, it's alternated between divisions in the West going to the Stanley Cup final, that would mean it's the Blues. Also, rumors are back about Phil Kessel to the Coyotes. Is now the time for that trade? And what would the give back so, have to be? I-, I will let Craig prep for the second half of that question. Because <laughs> I know that's Felix on here, do they? That's his second favorite topic, is other than best deal owned? other than St. Louis, <laughs> other than arena news. This is the, the Kessel to Coyotes is Craig's second we'll favorite get there. Talk- Don't topic worry. to talk about. Okay, I still think the Sharks are the slight favorites here. Me too. I think. I think they're a better team. I know they they lost one of the home games, but I, I don't care. They'll win. They'll win one in St. Louis. Yeah, like, I, they'll win in seven. Yeah, and I, they'll play a seven game series in the Cup final. I, and I will say this: I think San Jose Boston will be a very good Stanley Cup final. St. Louis Boston. I think Boston would ultimately get them in like six, but that's not to take away from St. Louis at all. I just I, I think San Jose. You look at the way they've won their first two rounds, and we didn't we didn't even talk about the uh, Landeskog offside. We probably should. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, San Jose is a very good team. They didn't deserve to be Vegas. I know that Sharks fans get offended by that and like, why don't yeah. you kill off the penalty and not give up four goals? And there's something to that. But that shouldn't have been a five-minute penalty. Correct. Uh, the the Landeskog offside, where did you guys land on that one? Onside, I hope. Oh, Landeskog. Where do you land? Where did you land? Go onside ahead, or offside? Uh, I... I hated that call. Yeah, I hate it too. I get it, but I hate it. Like I hated the call, uh, but also, hey, here's an idea. As the team captain, maybe you should hustle on your line change. Yeah, that too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it was. I think it was Biz. I think it was Paul Bissonnette who said he was like, I'm not even arguing the call one way or the other. But if I, <laughs> if I if I was on that bench. I would have had the door open and like slippers out for him and everything. Like the, get out of his way and let him on the bench. The other too. problem too is that happens 
a dozen times a game. Yes. It's just, it happened in a moment when the goal ends up getting scored shortly after, and now you can review it. It'd be nice like, if the doors were outside the blue line, too, so you that's could avoid true. that. that yeah. you, could, you could fix that. The one thing I will say, though, is when you play hockey, when you, when you have your lines on the bench, you traditionally, like, you, you set everything up with the awareness if you don't want to jump on the ice offside. Right. That is something you have to be aware of, like you said, as the captain of the team. <laughs> But again, yeah. particularly as the captain, yes. Yes. you should be any player should be you, you aware need, of what's happening on the yes. ice. That is part careful. of the game. And yes, you should hustle to set an example as the captain. He did neither in game. So seven. I hate the call. But wow, you could have avoided it. He did take he didn't like uh, try to pass responsibility after the game, though. He flat out said basically what you just said. Uh, I liked the uh, the take that somebody had too. Where it was, it, he was basically an advertisement on the boards, and that was enough to reverse a goal that could have changed the entire course of the Stanley Cup playoffs. I hate the offside review. I've always hated it. Not so much even because of... I mean, something like this is extreme and stupid, but it's, it's the other way. How many goals have been scored in the past that we didn't review? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, like, you can review goals that are scored... But there are plays that happen that are offside that maybe can change the course of the game that they just missed. We don't review those. Well, yeah, I, I guess the concern I would have there is, and again, you know me, I'm always trying to think of how you can exploit any rule to, yeah. to your favor. That's how you go through life. That, <laughs> like I've always, I understand why you do it, but there's so much time that passes between a potential offside and the goal that I wonder like, if the other teams are like, well, if I'm losing a game late, and you don't call an offside, the extra 40 seconds is more harmful maybe than the goal in the first period. Yeah. So I it just, I don't know. I, I don't like the idea of reviewing less things because there's just so many calls that we see now are wrong and you can easily correct, but we have to figure out offsides a little bit better with the plane, the well, the sign is infinity, the, yeah, and all and the other the stuff. that's the solution to me. Just get the technology. Yeah, it, it, it is weird. Why why go 80% in on this rule? Like, if you're going to do it, just do is it. Is his foot down? I can't tell. Well, it shouldn't matter, by the way. There's a way to figure that out. Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> if, all, if only we had an easy solution that we don't want to hmm. use. Uh, let's see. They do it. How long has Cyclops existed in tennis matches for, for <sighs> the lines? How long has it been around? Since I was a kid? Forever. Those yeah. are probably the only lasers in the world, though, so they wouldn't be able to use <laughs> them. Probably yeah. true. Because they're being they, used for yeah, tennis. And they, they, yeah. Or, they, I mean, the rent would just be enormous if they asked the WTA yeah. and the... Uh, Can't do that. Uh, you can avoid this... ATP, yeah. This Phil Kessel question as long as you want. That. Phil Kessel, Craig. Phil Kessel, you really want Coyotes. me to answer this again? Yeah. People want to know, Craig. Somebody's going to ask though. next week, though. Yeah, but the, this specific question is, is now the time for the trade. Like today, right now? Yes. No. Okay. No. Usually these things happen around the draft. I don't know. Didn't Martin Hook get traded right in the middle of a playoff series last year? <sighs> yeah. <laughs> um, Phil Kessel. How old is Phil Kessel? He's 31. How old will he be when the next season starts? 32. That is how that, that's that's how that works. He's not aging does that fit into the Coyotes' plans? Let's start there. It doesn't. It doesn't. Let's look at that contract. Yes, his salary is – it diminishes after next season significantly, but he has a few years left on his contract at a, a big cap hit. So that's going to impact you as well unless Pittsburgh eats some of this money. That would be another way of doing this, I suppose. Seems like something Rutherford would do. Add a score for the short term. Do they have a Jack Johnson they can trade back? Yeah. Yes, Just – <laughs> Don't get the sense that he is high on their priority list. If Phil, I've said this before. If Phil Kessel ends up a Coyote this offseason, to me, it'll mean that they've missed on multiple higher priority targets. 
Uh, the Rick Tockett element, does that mean anything to you? A little bit. I mean, that's, what we're, that's why we're talking about not it. Not that much. <laughs> um, Rick Tockett doesn't make the trades. Even last year, I mean, a bad year by his stand. Eh, not bad. He had 82 points. I guess it was more the playoffs where he and the rest of the team just re- all retired. 27 goals, though. I mean, this is, sure. not, this is not Voracek. He is almost... His floor is 25 goals. He's pretty routinely in the, the low to mid-30s in terms of goals. And but, he's got 174 points over the last two years. But, but again, he's playing with I gotta, Crosby and gotta, Again, Phil Thank Kessel's you. a good yes, player. Yes, yes, yes. But yes. he's not coming to play with Evgeny Malkin. Well, uh, he's not he didn't playing play with on that Malkin pa- last year either. I don't know who that was on the ice. But he's not going to be... But even... That's a 5-on-5. Five five. Who's he going to be out there on the power play with? Sorry. The people he's out there on the power play with in Pittsburgh the last three or four years are the ones that he was on the power play with with Rick Tockett there aren't here. Yeah, I would just say if, if he does somehow end up on the Coyotes, don't don't expect that production. I, I'd imagine right. at least a 20% drop thing. in production. That's the thing. People assume that the production just transfers over. It won't. Yeah, I don't think they're going to deal won't. Crosby over. I do like the idea, though, if you go to, to, to Jim Rutherford and whoever you think the worst defenseman on the Coyotes is, you say, hey, we'll give you this guy. And he'll probably be like, oh, we need that guy because our defense has never been better. You can put Kyle Wood with Jack Johnson. and <laughs> No, well, here's, what, here's what you do. You say, we have somebody that's <laughs> very familiar. We have a guy on, your, on our team that's very familiar with your team and your, yeah. and your system. <laughs> Can we interest you in a gently used Alex Galagoski? <laughs> it's been a while since Galagoski was there. That was Cal wasn't Wood that part spent of the last deal? season with the San Jose Barracuda. Right. Oh, okay, there you go. Just like a Barracuda, he scores thirty-five points for and then reappeared. He does produce offense. Yeah, he's got that big mm. shot. Uh, it's not always it's great. A right-handed shot. It's not always great uh, calling people back though. Uh, no, <laughs> I don't know what that hand motion was, Craig. <laughs> Let's just uh, move on to Bobby Big Wheel, a.k.a. Tom J. Bobby Big Wheel. A.k.a. Tom J. So we don't even know if I'm talking to Bobby Big Wheel or Are we Tom talking to J. Bobby or Tom? Hello. Forever. Uh, in Scott Burnside's Pacific Division offseason needs piece, he stated, one, there's no chance the Coyotes stay in Arizona. And two. One, that's not what he stated. Okay. What he stated is multiple sources are telling him there is no path forward in Arizona. Well, let's start there. Yeah. Are we... Uh, I will take level. I will take the over on zero paths forward for the Coyotes in Arizona. <laughs> yes, okay, that's that's what I would say too. Yes, okay, there are still paths forward for the Coyotes in Arizona. Yes, I I didn't I didn't see the exact quote, but I'm guessing that wasn't every single source in the world right, said right, no. Right? Yeah, exactly. It's when you say multiple sources, so it could just be two people. It could be could just be two people. Yes. Okay. I wonder who those two people would be. Uh, number two, the Yotes should sign Michael Furland. I don't. What do you guys think of this? Eh. I, don't, I don't get the – I mean, in some ways, his style might be a fit with talk, but I, I, to me, that's not what they need. If, if they go out and get – if Michael Furland's their big offseason acquisition, does that move the meter for anyone? No. no I want goals. Again, he will help. Yeah, but, but I want goals. I, I just I, – Yes, they need goals. And lots of them. Yeah, they, he's they not going to give you that. They need to add a significant piece in their top six if they truly want to be anything more than a five-round loss in the first round. I'd rather like, have just, Kessel than Furlan. I, I understand everything sure. you guys are saying about the age and all that stuff. but Yes, from a pure hockey standpoint, if sure. we take finances out he of it. He might excite all people, too. Yeah. Yes. Again, and back to the point we were talking about with Kessel before. Kessel would help them just understand what the expectations of what his production would be and then what you'd have to give up. Like, it's just, it's not as easy as it And then what it, it looks like two years down the road. You're not getting a 40-goal right? score. I'm sorry. You're not, no. He's not scoring 40 in, in Arizona next year. Period. I don't even remember the last time Phil Kessel scored 40 goals. But I think people would he's have that expectation. He's never scored 40 goals. Or even 35. Well, 
Yeah. I wouldn't have guessed that he hadn't 30, scored 40. 30 is a, a, a number the Coyotes would take. It doesn't happen since. He really hasn't oh, scored yeah. 40 at any Redeem point. Verbata. That surprises me, actually. Yeah, I thought he would have scored a spike there a couple times. He hit 37 a couple times in Toronto. Uh, he's he's gone over thirty just once in four years with Pittsburgh, but he was also a huge reason they won the first cup of this recent yeah. run. So, uh, but yeah, no, it actually kind of surprises me too. But he's he's pretty consistently a thirty goal guy, and you're right. That's and they would something they, they would do use. that in Arizona. But yes, there are other circumstances there as well. Uh, let's try Julian. What can we expect to see out of Nick Merkley going forward? His career path has been littered with injuries, but he seems like one of the few guys in the system besides Hayton that could be an impact scorer in the NHL. I don't know if Nick Merkley's an impact scorer. I think he's another guy that could help your forward group. I do. I, I think he'll have a good chance to make the team next season out of camp. But if you're looking for Nick Merkley to be an impact guy in your top six, yeah, don't don't look for that. I don't think that's going to happen. I've, I've only seen him a handful of times, so I'm not going to pretend like I'm some expert scout on the scenario. But just from what I've seen from him and what I've written, what you know, Craig has talked about, I, I kind of look at him as a, he, a complimentary piece on your third line, as I think yeah. is what, what you're looking for. And that's probably what his upside is. True, it would be a great story, though, with all that he's been through. It's unbelievable what he's overcome. He's a great kid, too. Another, Absolutely great kid. Another first-round pick from that 2015 draft, too. I mean, the Coyotes. Was, was it like 30th overall? I think he was, he was, was the, the last the late, pick. The, last yeah, the Blackhawks. Pick? They got him from the Blackhawks. He was the last pick because oh, at was the, the draft. Vermette? Was that the Vermette pick? Party. Yeah. At the draft party, the uh, the coverage on whatever station was covering it, like the TV station, they cut out and went to like some reality show. And so nobody got to see the Coyotes. I mean, it was their second pick of the draft, and they ended up getting lost in crowds later. But that, there was almost a riot. Uh, Coach East Jack. Scotty Upshaw said on Spittin' Chicklets that Ryan O'Reilly was the best two-way centerman in the league, but the Natty Hattie consensus seems to be Patrice Bergeron. Is it close? Or I like that he actually tagged both podcasts in here so we can start a rivalry. Is it close, or is Bergeron in a class all to himself? Uh, yes, he is. I, I still think Bergeron's in the class all to himself, but Ryan O'Reilly might be the second best. Like I don't, I, That's not an argument I would sit... I, that's not a hill I would die on, because I think both players are just exceptional at theirs. Um, I would Scott Upshaw never played class. with Patrice Bergeron. I know he did play with Ryan O'Reilly, so I think that obviously plays yeah that plays into that a bit. But he, Ryan O'Reilly is a a mega star. I feel like he should get continue to get more and more attention. Ryan yeah. O'Reilly is the most underrated, I would say. Yeah, yeah, especially for centers. One of the keys Absolutely. for the Blues in this postseason, without a doubt. You can win a cup with him as your one number one center. I think that's the best compliment I can give him. Yes, yeah, that's fair. So, and they might. Yes, and they very well might. We might see that matchup. Totally you unrelated. Might see the Ryan O'Reilly Patrice Bergeron matchup. See, and then we can just settle it on the ice. Totally unrelated news, but didn't you say Tim Hortons is starting to serve fake meat? Was that a? I read the headline. It's okay. fake meat. That's yes. fake meat. Sounds That's all I know so far. Disgusting. I don't know why Ryan O'Reilly would have made me think of Tim Hortons or fake meat. <laughs> Uh, Let's move on from that. All quickly. hail Kale. Let's, let's, let's truck through this. Uh, all hail Kale. So, context of last week, I was Rafe. Oh, all hail Kale was somebody different last week. Oh. And I pronounced How often it correctly. does this happen? <laughs> we have questions for you, Kale. Uh, let's see. The Yotes definitely, in my opinion, need a, a legit top six score to bolster offensive yep. production and a top four right-handed defenseman. Should they make these acquisitions in one more or two? I think that means one move or one two. Move. I mean, obviously... Uh, however you can do it. I, I, I yeah, however you can do it. I, I don't think that top four right-handed defenseman is a realistic opportunity this offseason. I don't know who's giving that player away. I don't know how you can afford that type of a player. I don't think it, that's as big of a need as the scorer either. Yeah. No, but it's definitely a need. Yes. Yeah, but you've, you've I just, got the Alex Goligoski contract. Yeah, I just I can't see it's it It's going to be hard to move and... 
And again, who, who, how much more money can you invest in your blue line? They have a lot of money yeah, invested yeah. in their blue line. I'm not, I'm not worried about their blue line, really. No, I'm not either, the way they play it. Uh, last one. You ready for the last question? Okay. This is it. I'm ready. It's going to wrap it. up the show that was going to be short and is now at an hour and four minutes. Gertrude, which NHL player's name has the highest Scrabble score? Could be past or present. We need to look this up because we talked about this on the last show. But yeah. here's what I can tell you in terms of listeners – yeah, one the of the listeners with the highest the uh, Scrabble score is, in fact, Gertrude von Lichtenstein. Oh. I'm guessing. Well, another listener wrote back, and I can't pull it up because this computer's from 1948, but somebody wrote back to Gertrude and said Zarly Zalapsky. Uh, Tony, for, Tony James wrote back with Zarly Zalapsky. It's tough Z's, to argue with that. Two Z's, but I'm just saying for listeners, Ger- yeah. Gertrude has a long name. It has a V in it. Uh, you yeah. know, it's, that's, that's, that's a lot going on there, Gertrude. So, um, I would, I mean, obviously the, the, you have to, I'm going to translate this to words with friends because I at least know what that is a little bit better than Scrabble. I think it's basically the same it's game. It's literally the it? same game, Okay, sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sounded depressive to me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my initial thought is you want to go with a Finnish name. But there's so no, many eyes. So, so Q, Q, is, Q, and Z are the the big the big money letters. How much more so than but like, like J though X too? And, uh... X and J are eight. Q and Z are ten. Not a lot of X's no. in the NHL. But you Wait, could get some J's though. X and what are ten? J? No, no, no. X and J are eight. X- J is eight. Yeah. yeah, and there's there's some Why? good J's. Why J? It's, there's not a lot of that's, that's a lot an of... unusual choice. Yeah, boy. yeah. yeah. And then Q and Z are ten. That. You mean words with friends? Um. Yeah, I'd have to do more research to accurately answer this, but I, knowing I th- now what I know about Jay, yeah, there's there's a lot that changes the picture. I for think me. Jay is the way to go. Because you have like a Jay Z in the name, not Jay Z. Yeah, there have been Jay Z's like JJ Daniel. That's yeah. sixteen points just for the initials. I, mean, I think we just gonna do last, look names, at the last right? name. Yeah, if you're just going, can't do last multiple names. words in Scrabble. You have to do last names. But I, I feel like there are some names that have like three J's. I feel in like them. we can open up the rules and do whatever we want. That's true. Yeah, because our podcast Uno now says you can't stack draw four cards, so they clearly don't know what. Yeah, did you see that? They officially Wait, said you can't stack the... So they don't know how to play the game. I don't care. They created it. Yeah, do I? So we can make up the rules of Scrabble, sure. or in your case, words with friends. I have a bigger question, though. Is there like an Uno council that's yes, out there? Yes, this, this, this literally rules? happened. This literally happened. I thought the that was a card official- game that was just invented, and then that was it. No, like they had like a Twitter account and everything, and, and they came out with rules, and they said you can't stack oh. draw fours, and that's ridiculous. Huh. Okay. Well, that seems so they, don't, they clearly don't know how to play their own game. Antero Nidimaki is the first name that comes to mind, but Ooh, there's, there's not. There's too many vowels. Remember when he was Tampa's starting goaltender for a half second? Yeah. Then they got Ben Bishop. You want to go with somebody like Martin Furk that has no vowels, mm. but you need more letters. Halifax Moosehead, great Martin uh, Furk. I, I just wanted to close on a high note for <laughs> Thanks, Pierre. Uh, Jamie. All right. Anything else before we wrap up? After that Martin Furk reference, I've gotten in all I wanted for today's show. Show two hundred. Or maybe not. Yeah, we, remember we kept, we kept saying we're going to do something special for Show 200, yeah. and then it's literally just the same as every well, other show we've done. I can't even say for certain that it's Show 200 now. That's true. Yeah. We should play that clip of you uh, introducing Show number two, yeah, however. It, if you, you send, send me that. that do you want me to send yeah, it to you? If you, if you hang around, we'll play the clip of Jamie introducing Episode 2 to wrap up the show. Now, the context is this was in a different studio. We only had one mic. It wasn't even like a professional mic. It was a mic that we bought. So we were just kind of sitting near a mic, and Jamie was driving the show, and Craig, at this point, still wasn't acknowledging us as people. That was a week away, I think. I think you came in episode three. Mm-hmm. Those were the days, weren't they? Uh, acknowledging yeah. me as people. I'm trying to decide if I've reached that point yet. Yeah. <laughs> Most of the way there. <laughs> All right. For Jamie Eisner and even for Craig Morgan after that final hurtful comment, I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to the Natural Hattrick Podcast. Good. Now I can get back to my bath. Ugh. 
FanRag Sports Studios here in Phoenix, Arizona. I'm Jamie Eisner, joined along with Luke Lipinski for episode two of the Today's Slapshot Hockey Podcast. Uh, 